following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Well, good morning. Wow. Pastor Simmons told me that if I get if I get up get a little worked up preaching and I get sweaty, there's a towel right here for me. I told him, you know how I get. He comes to Artisan and preaches and everybody thinks, man, that was so boring. Different does not mean deficient. I hope. (laughs) Well, it is such a great, great joy to be with all of you today as we worship God and honor the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. On behalf of the entire artisan community, let me say thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your hospitality, for opening your doors to us, and for your friendship over these last three years. You know, it was three years ago uh, on Martin Luther King Sunday that I stood in this pulpit and I spoke about friendship and how I hoped that that day would be the beginning of a friendship between Faber African Methodist Episcopal Church and Artisan Church. And I think the fact that we are back here again three years later is evidence that that has been true. Amen. The partnership between Baber and Artisan over the past few years has been one of the highlights of of our ministry. We all look forward to these special Sundays. But it's not just because it's something fun to do, although, let's be honest, it's fun. I think our friendship has made inroads into our hearts, and we have reason to hope that when our hearts change, that that can be some small step, that we then can all be some small part of making our society better and stronger. So thank you. Artisan loves Baber. I want to say a special word of thanks to my friend, your pastor, the Reverend James C. Simmons. Pastor Simmons is a a wonderful preacher. He is a tremendous asset to the city of Rochester as a community leader. He's a gifted church administrator who has brought Baber Church to a place of strength and sustainability. But he has also been a mentor to me. As I have grown in my understanding of the challenges we face in our world today. And my friendship with him, my friendship with your pastor, has made me a better pastor to my predominantly white congregation. And so thank you, Reverend Simmons. Thank you. My text for today comes from Ephesians chapter 2. Now in this passage... The Apostle Paul is writing to Gentiles who have recently become Christians. And because they were Gentiles, they would have been considered prior to that conversion to have been outside of God's family. 
to have been outside of the kingdom, to have been unable to participate in the rhythms of worship and to receive the blessings of redemption. Now, by the way, this is not all true because God didn't like Gentiles and decreed that they should be outside. It's because the people God called didn't understand the special blessing that they received and what the purpose of it was so that they could turn around and be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. But as I like to say when I'm preaching an artisan, that might be a sermon for another day. So Paul writes to these new believers, to these outcasts, and this is what he says, and I'm looking at Ephesians 2, starting in verse 13, if you would like to follow along. But now in Christ Jesus... You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. Can you say that with me? He is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances so that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace. Say it with me again. He is our peace. He has broken down the dividing walls of hostility between us. Oh Lord, I want to believe. But it's hard. When I look at Syria and see thousands upon thousands upon thousands of innocent families driven from their homes as a despotic regime bombs their city. It's hard to believe there's peace. When I made my way through the last couple of months of political rancor and ever-ratcheting hatred, it's hard for me to believe that there's peace. When I look at the city of Chicago, a city that I love, where there were 750 murders this past year, and where the Justice Department recently condemned the police force, saying that excessive force was rampant, rarely challenged, and chiefly aimed at African Americans and Latinos, it's hard for me to believe, Lord, that the dividing walls of hostility have actually been broken down. When I look at our beloved city, the city of Rochester, where the lingering effects of segregation can still be seen in our neighborhoods and in our schools and in our jail cells, Lord, it's hard to believe. He is our peace. Lord, I want to believe it, but it is hard. There's a moment in Jesus' ministry where he begins to expand his reach into more and more places, into the surrounding towns and areas. And so in order to do that, he recruits 72 others whom he can send out ahead of him so that they can tell the people the kingdom of God is about to come near. How would you like to be on that team? He warns them, though. Before you sign up, you should know, I'm sending you out like lambs among the wolves. How'd you like to be on that team? 
Can you imagine how frightening that must have been for the people? And yet he tells them this. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. Can you think of what Jesus is saying here? He is telling the lambs to go into the house of the wolves and say peace. That sounds like a recipe. That sounds like a recipe. Speaking peace in the house of wolves. That is part of the Christian task. And I think that is the part of the Christian tradition that made Dr. King's ministry and his legacy so powerful. He clung to that call to nonviolence. He was willing to speak peace into the house of the wolves. There was one occasion where Martin Luther King was at a meeting with activists who were helping him to plan the bus boycott. And he received terrifying news that his house had been firebombed. And he calmly asked after the safety of his family, and when he was assured that his family was in fact safe, he simply went home to comfort them. And when an angry crowd of supporters showed up with guns at the ready to seek vengeance, he told them, We cannot solve this problem through retaliatory violence. We must meet violence with nonviolence. We must love our white brothers no matter what they do to us. We must make them know that we love them. I am amazed at the ability of this great man to refer to the terrorists who bombed his house as, quote, our white brothers. It breaks me down. If it were me, I suspect I might have come up with a slightly more descriptive term. And maybe gotten fired. But what's he telling them except to follow the way of Jesus? What is he saying them except to speak peace into the house of the wolves? This is why Dr. King is such a shining example for all of us. How to walk in the way of Jesus. Because if he can meet the kind of hatred and oppression and violence that he met from the citizens, from the police, from the elected officials, from all who were invested in segregation, and all who benefited from the systems of oppression and racism, and who were therefore unwilling to change, if he can stand up to those powers and meet that kind of hatred and violence and still walk in the example of Christ, still not retaliate, still manage to speak peace as a lamb in the house of the wolves, if he can do it, then I ask you, what excuse do any of us have? And so I want to say a word of caution to those of us who might be tempted to think that the work is done. That since segregation has formally ended, that Dr. King's work is complete. A word of caution to those of us who think because Christ was crucified and resurrected, 
that we can sit back and reap the benefits of peace without paying the cost. There is a word of caution for those of us who might want to do that. Because the road to peace is the road to the cross. And if we want to look around the world and look around our country and look around our city and look around our neighborhoods or our workplaces or our families and see a lack of peace, our response ought not to be to doubt God, but to doubt ourselves and to ask ourselves, what have I done to speak peace into the house of the wolves? Dr. King once said, Christianity has always insisted that the cross we bear precedes the crown we wear. How many want a crown without a cross? Let me read to you my passage from Ephesians one more time. And this time, I'm going to add one more verse at the end of it. I sneaked it off the first time I read Verse 16 is where it is at. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances so that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace. And we all say amen and let it be so. And then we read verse 16 and it says, And might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross. Thus putting to death the hostility through it. See, I used to think that the phrase, he is our peace, meant that if you wanted peace, all you had to do was believe and receive. I had this t-shirt slogan once, no Jesus, no peace, as in K-N-O-W, if you know Jesus, you will know peace, and then on the back it says, no Jesus, no peace, as in you got no Jesus, you got no peace. All of that is true, but as we know, faith is too complicated to fit on a t-shirt. Because it's not just knowing Jesus. It's knowing the way of Jesus. What I know now is that belief is just the first step on the long road to peace. And that the long road happens to end at the cross. And that if you are not willing to take up the cross, you are not fit to follow him. Mm. If you're not willing to take up the cross, I would suggest to you that maybe the fact, the truth, is that you don't believe in him in the first place. Because how do you indicate your belief? By moving. And how does Jesus bring about peace? How does he break down the dividing walls, the hostility between us? How does he reconcile groups that have become estranged from each other? Well, it's right there in verse 16. He does it through the cross. Not through inspiring speeches. Not through mediated discussions. Not through joint worship services. Come on. 
See, we do all those things, and I meant it from the bottom of my heart when I said I am so grateful that we get to do this. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But all of those things, as beautiful as they might be, are not ends in and of themselves. They are only good for us insofar as they develop in us a love for each other that leads us to walk the hard road to the cross together. Because it is only through that cross that reconciliation happens. Hostility does not go away unwillingly. It has to be put to death. That's what the Apostle Paul said. I do want to conclude with some words of hope on this important day. So let me read you one more thing that Martin Luther King said during his far too short life. He was speaking about the cross. Something that he did often, but which for understandable reasons doesn't tend to make it into the history books in our secular public high schools. He said this, There are some who still find the cross a stumbling block, and others consider it foolishness, but I am more convinced than ever before that it is the power of God unto social and individual salvation. So like the Apostle Paul, I can now humbly and proudly say, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. The suffering and agonizing moments through which I have passed over these last years have also drawn me closer to God. More than ever, he said, I am convinced of the reality of a personal God. Now may all of us know in our own lives what Dr. King came to know in his, that when we suffer for peace, we are made more like Christ and drawn closer to God. And may we all look ahead with the knowledge and hope that comes from the resurrection, bearing the marks of suffering with courage and bringing about his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Baber, it's so good for us to be with you today and to know you and to love you. Thank you, and amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.